1: Hi listeners, welcome to this week's episode of TED Talks. So today we have a celeb extravaganza and something that's definitely going to brighten up what can only be described here in London as a bit of a grey day. I have the lovely Ed Dyson.
2: Hi. Hi Ed. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
1: No problems at all. So... We've got today a bit of a treat, so slightly different to what we normally talk about, we're just going to talk about things I bloody love, which is uh, all things celeb. (laughs) Um, So we're joined by what can only be described as one of the showbiz industry's journalist, kind of, I'd say, connoisseurs. I was going to use the word king. I've never been called that before. I would say you're definitely a connoisseur and I loved reading through your (laughs) bio slash CV and it's one of those moments I often have whenever I have a guest on the show and I think, what the fuck have I done with my life? Like, that person's achieved so much.
2: I've achieved nothing. I I feel like you've achieved
1: everything. (laughs) Um, So you started off um, fresh out of uni and went straight to work um, for some very, very big names to The Sun. We had Daily Star. Um,
2: jumped in at the deep end. You
1: really but, yeah. did. So tell me a bit about it. <laughs> tell, tell our guests exactly what that was like.
2: Well, it was weird because I moved down to London and I was just, um, like a lot of my friends who did the journalism course in Sheffield, we came down with no job and we, um, we had to do like unpaid internships, like a lot of people do in a lot of industries. And so me and my friend, Annabelle, who went to uni together, we were sharing a room at like to the point where we divided it with a screen and slept on either side, had no money. We're both working unpaid for magazines. And then it was, I applied for a job at an agency called Bang Showbiz and they took me on. Again, the pay wasn't very big, but they sent um, the reporters out to like big events like premieres and album launches, award ceremonies to interview celebrities. And then what the agency would do is take those interviews and place them in the national papers and it wasn't what I tended to do straight away. I thought it was going to be more of a feature writer. But I found I was quite good at it. And I found myself very starstruck and excited. And like one of my first jobs, I met Sarah Jessica Parker. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe she knows I exist. I did for like a second. So I was running around London squealing, just really excited. And then one of the papers, I think they, now that I've been doing it for a long time, newspapers like young, enthusiastic journalists, which me and a lot of my colleagues now no longer are, (laughs) that's why. But at the time, I now see, looking back, why I was appealing to them, because they want people who want to go out. Because once you've done it for a few years, you start to kind of want to stay in a little bit
1: (laughs) That's what I'm always really intrigued by because I mean, I think anybody that's ever been out, out with me knows I can party with them kids. I mean, I'm broken for two (laughs) or three days after.
2: I mean, you're drinking wine now. I mean, I know it's the middle of the afternoon
1: (laughs) and I'm actually on a, on a booze freeze. (laughs) Um, yeah, but I always think it's, those kind of uh, careers really, I really admire them because it's, it's not just the work that you do, but it's exhausting actually like having a real high energy being mm. like somebody that people want to come up and talk to at a party which is most people's like biggest fear
2: well I mean mostly you' in this job you would be approaching the celebrity it's very rare that a celebrity comes and approaches you so you kind of but yeah you have to present yourself as like holding a conversation to to. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly and I think even if you're approaching somebody it's always that thing is like who is this person? Like, who is who is she? Like, do well, I want to? I want to
2: speak to them. Well, my tip for anyone who wants to be a showbiz journalist or wants to it ha- has ever has to interview a celebrity at a party, celebrities meet so many different people on a day to day basis that they don't remember anyone, including the people that they do know. So, ah. if you go to celebrity party, don't introduce yourself. Just talk to them as if you've already met them, and they will assume. Because they rude. don't want
1: to seem like they don't know who you are and they yeah, seem
2: rude. absolutely. So if you just go up to, I don't know, Ollie Murray's I'm like, Ollie, oh my God, it's so nice <laughs> to see you again. He'll be like, oh, hi, how are you? He won't say, I've never met you before, because he knows that he meets so many people that he has forgotten. So he'll just be polite, that's what they all do. And then next thing you know, you're interviewing him and he's...
1: Such a good tip. Because I always get the fear. I mean, I always get that, as soon as I come in the room with them or or... I know it's my turn to speak. I'm always a little bit nervous. I still get that kind of butterflies in my stomach because I'm not seasoned as seasoned as you are. Um, but that's a really good tip.
2: Well, one thing to, to remember, and I didn't realize this for years actually is, and it's a good thing to think in your head before you speak to a celebrity, a party or during an interview, the person who should be nervous is them. Because the worst thing that can happen to you, unless it's a big interview that's important for your career, is that you don't get a story. For them, the worst thing that can happen is Massive. If they say the wrong thing in an interview with you, it can ruin their career. It happens all the time. So the yeah, person is, is the celebrity, and that's
1: a really weird you're, thought. You're the
2: one with the power, even though it doesn't seem that God,
1: way. What a terrifying life! So basically, every <laughs> single time somebody approaches a celebrity, they have to think about what they're saying.
2: Well, they don't, and that's why <laughs> that's why they cause so much shit. From so, especially when they've just become famous that first year. I notice this a lot with X Factor contestants because they they don't get enough time because they're thrust into much to properly I mean, be trained. They will say stuff and they'll inevitably fuck... Am I would right, to swear? You can swear. That's you like... can swear away. They <laughs> can <laughs> inevitably fuck up. And then they learn what they... On the job, what they should and shouldn't say. And journalists often, myself included in the past, kind of take advantage of that naivety.
1: That's what I wanted to ask you. It's like into the nitty gritty. Is there like a... A bit of a like cheeky side of you and to me i just think it's basically clever commercial sense where you do want to take advantage of that because obviously the whole point mm. is to get the scoop and to get the story and no one wants to listen to dry chat
2: absolutely and i think that's you... what tinder's
1: for basically <laughs>
2: you're so i think when you especially when you, i worked at the sun or the star you you're in such a pressure to to um produce exclusive content and to have those big stories that you get so focused on that, you kind of do start to forget that they are people. And now, really? I've, now I've been doing it longer, I don't do that. And there have been times now in recent years where there's been a story, I'm like, you know what? I don't think you meant to say that. I'm going to let that one go. And and now... Because you've got a heart. Yeah, but there have been times <laughs> in the past where I didn't know. If they said something, if they slipped up, I thought, right, I know what, I can twist that, I can do this. Um, never anything life-destroying, but sometimes... I mean, it's just silly things. Like, you'll just ask them about another celebrity and what their opinion is. Well, like
1: Mariah today. Have you, heard, have you been listening about recently when Mariah Carey apparently was asked, do you know j and I don't know She her. was like, yeah. Yeah, that's
2: her like famous really? phrase. That she said it a few times. <laughs> well, Mariah intends to be shady. But a lot of the time they are speaking about another celebrity and they won't say anything too bad. But in print, everything looks worse.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing. And I think even today where, I mean, not very many people I'd say read print how we used to like I think when mm. we were younger when you were definitely starting out in your career the only way you got your celebrity gossip was through like Heat Magazine yeah like reading the 3am girls column yeah like going to those tabloids where they had the real juiciest celebrity gossip mm-hmm. and it became like a real art the way that celebrity journalists interview and actually I've got quite a few friends that are celebrity journalists r- randomly
2: um,
1: <laughs> I always feel like it's like the art of journalism that is still true journalism yeah, because you, you, you still have to curate your story in the same way, and I'm just really fascinated about how you go in and you get the scoop and how you then turn that into, whether it's like getting the quotes and sending them on or building mm-hmm. the, the buzz or the, the the scoop, basically, the big feature that's going to get everyone.
2: Yeah, going great, great. So there's loads of different ways that you can end up breaking a exclusive story, so the, the most obvious one is just through an interview. So you interview celebrity. And then the best line, as they say in the newsroom, or the best quote, um, that's the story. But these days, more increasingly, they are more wary of the media, which we have ourselves to blame for, because yeah. we've kind of, <laughs> like I said, messed them around enough. So that tends to be a bit harder, but then you have got you get a lot of stories from contacts, from sources, so a lot of time, I know people will be reading- So we read sources? Because
1: I always <laughs> yeah. feel like a secret source. I mean, that's one of the, I mean, I bloody love Grazia magazine, and it is my favorite magazine. It's, perfect combination of fashion and celebrity yeah (laughs) but it's always like a source close to jennifer aniston said are these like friends are they random drunken people you see that witness things
2: they come from a million different places so they um i mean some i mean there's really extreme examples sometimes it's come from the celebrity themselves seriously yeah so like when I was at The Sun Lindsay Lohan of she course. used to sell stories about herself through her Trash. team to The yeah. Sun doesn't surprise me Katie Price <laughs> is someone who would do that
1: oh no I really like Katie Price she's I one like of them that, that people love to hate but I'm rooting for her
2: but she she plays the game she really yeah, does
1: yeah but re- at least she, pl- she plays it into me like the reason why I like Katie Price which everyone's going to be like to up- end loads the drop off rate just Delete. plummeted <laughs>
2: Has been <laughs>
1: it's like she's like a Christiana to me. Mm. Sorry, whatever like she's changing her name. Yeah, she's like she. You can tell she's playing a game. She's not a lot of. Obvious talent. She obviously has some talent, she and that maybe
2: is my might... honest, yeah, which I admire. I like
1: exactly. Right? And
2: she's good to interview. I once had to interview her in bed with her. Stop. So I think it was because she was so lazy. She <laughs> well, she tried to make out like it was a fun way to interview. It's like, <laughs> bitch, you just can't be asked to get up. Let's just be honest. So I walk into a room and take him to the interview. She's in bed. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? So she's like, are you getting in. I was like. Oh, <laughs> i'm gonna catch something <laughs> so i get into bed with her and then because she's laying down horizontal and she's got those famously Thumbags. large yeah thumb bags i can't see her face i'm trying to like <laughs> lift my wading head. through the silicone <laughs> so, exactly so i can make eye contact she's like uh excuse me are you looking at my tits oh. i'm like kitty how can i not <laughs> <laughs> it's either that or I hang my head out the window. So she's, she's always interesting. She never gives a boring interview. Do you think she,
1: she does? Do you think that's part of the act? Do you think she does that, like for the drama?
2: I think she knows that her personal life and the drama in her personal life is her greatest commodity. I mean, that's her brand, really, isn't it? Without it is. that, so if she didn't get cheated on two years, she'd probably be more devastated than she yeah. was. She's like, oh, that's come so on, sad. Like, <laughs> we need some <something>. screw <laughs> me over. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. So. We've been on air for what about ten minutes now. Biggest celebrity scoop you've ever you've ever achieved? Oh my god, I don't know. That you feel is the biggest because I think it's quite personal when it's your work.
2: Yeah, uh, something I was proud of was uh, I kind of uncovered a drug scandal that happened at the BBC, and that came from an oh, interview. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. It came from an interview that was from mm-hmm. what's his name, Alan Dedico. He,
1: I'm nodding, he, uh, pretending I know who that he's is. He's not
2: very well known, but he you would know oh, his shit. voice because he oh. he announces the lottery balls.
1: Yes, I, I know the voice.
2: And he also does, does the voice on Strictly. Oh, he do does it? another he's voice? He's not expected to yes, oh, Strictly. Oh, it's another one, yeah. So it's like, what do you announce on Strictly? Tonight, we've yeah, got yeah. <laughs> Anton. Yeah. So it's him, and he gave an interview where he revealed that they used to have a drug dealer come oh to the offices God. at BBC headquarters. And they just hired their own drug dealer because it was so easy because so many of the staff were on coke. And he would go from desk to desk and they would Stop. pay him there and then. Stop! So like
1: getting like a sandwich at your desk?
2: A sandwich and a line, yeah. So... Um,
1: I mean, if ever, a sandwich and a line. So, Good Lord.
2: There's your title. So, we, <laughs> so like, yeah, we're expected to get a line in the newsroom as in an interview, but at the BBC apparently they were getting a different kind of line. So um, he revealed that and made the front page of the sun which when i was at the sun obviously what every well any paper every journalist is aiming to have the, the splash with... yeah, so how
1: does that work because you, you were at the summer for quite a while weren't you and i how years, how
2: yeah. did you
1: um how do you get to be the front page like is it like in you know i mean the only reference i have for anything is like fashion or makeup so mm-hmm. forgive me um <laughs> but is it like in fashion editorials where it's it's not because it can't be like a star that's picked but it's something that's curated around whatever the big buzz is
2: yeah I mean there's so many different factors that come to play so I often think a splash is kind of like an eclipse and it's kind of like everything has to come together Like, (laughs) like a perfect storm so I mean ultimately the editor always makes the final decision so you can bring in a story your line manager the showbiz editor or news editor will love it you can take it to conference everyone in the room can love it is that where they and sit around like, the
1: table and they you all tell your scoop and the editor's like yes no no yes no yeah
2: it's like in the apprentice Love it. and often people end up getting fired in there so it actually is like the apprentice no way <laughs> no i've not seen someone fight in conference but people were uh, surely have walked out thinking i, think I just lost my
1: job <laughs> that's what i love about i feel like working in the type of media that you do there's so much like adrenaline Mm-hmm. it's so like instant and high impact and that's why i think it's so like prevalent in today's culture because i say the way we accumulate media stories even for the big broadsheets for the big bosses and for yeah. those that are, you know have the monopoly like the bbc it's very much now about instant like gratification almost
2: oh definitely yeah like when when i first started there was um if there was a big story and it would be perhaps the front page of News of the World when I started, it would kind of, people would be satisfied with that one story for weeks but now with this 24-hour-7 news agenda and everyone check getting the news online, people want, they hear the story like, oh, what is it, David Beckham's had an affair or something. Hypothetical. Hypothetical. Just about- Hy-
1: hypothetical. This is just an example. Yeah. This is not fact at all.
2: And then within two hours people are loving it but they're like, right, we want to know more. What's the next thing? And you just have to keep feeding this like ravenous appetite of the audience because they like one story just it, it's well tomorrow it's yesterday's news yeah and they want another story
1: so well, on that actually i mean i can't i don't think i could interview a journal without asking them about their opinions on fake news mm-hmm. like how do you feel especially in the genre of media that you're in about the whole like fake news phenomenon and people i mean i say people but i feel like species like donald trump who perpetuate fake news and personally for me i feel as though they damage what is something that is quite exciting and what was very authentic Mm -hmm. um and just make it really trashy and unreliable as a data source
2: yeah i think that um i think it is good that the media itself is held to accountability because i don't think you can be this system that is criticizing every the government the public like any important body in the country but yourself be immune to um, kind of owning up to responsibility when you make mistakes and journalists do make mistakes and they have to apologise for them and they are expected to be held accountable for that.
1: Have you ever had to apologise for anything?
2: I have, yeah. <laughs> it was James Corden. Oh God. God, tell me. I wrote a st- when I was the columnist at the Daily Star, I wrote a story about him.
1: I love James.
2: I don't like James. Do not re-
1: Lots of people don't like James. I mean, I love James because I'm obsessed with... Um, Gavin and Stacey. Gavin and Stacey.
2: I like Gavin and Stacey, but it was also written by Ruth Jones, and I think I mean, she, I love her, as yeah. Nessa, is, is what made star. it. Yeah. It was found Smithy very annoying. And then I met him in an awards show, and he was rude, and I'd heard that he'd been rude to a few other journalists. He's very... On TV, he's very sycophantic and very like, yeah. Oh my God, Gary Barlow, I love you so much and like, seems like everyone's best friend. he's basically an arsehole in real life. But he's, I mean, he's been rude to journalists but then I don't necessarily think that means you're an arsehole. I can see why people are. But I logged it away and then there was a story about him which was true. In fact, I shouldn't even repeat it because this is why I had to apologise. Okay, don't. don't we wrote... don't need to go into detail. But there was a story and it was true and he complained about it. And the thing is, as a journalist, when someone complains... It doesn't really matter if it's true or not. You have to have proof. And often um, it's very hard to prove things if they're not on tape, even yeah, if they did happen. Yeah. And this story wasn't. So we had to print our first apology to do with that. Wow. So it is that
1: really point. hard? In a, I can't say sorry. I'm notoriously bad at it. So I couldn't have a job where I had to actually publicly <laughs> say
2: sorry. Well, I don't have to publicly say it. It's not like I'm stood in front of an audience. But they, <laughs> <laughs> but they, they print it in the paper. And as far as the editor's concerned, having to print an apology is the last thing they ever want to do. So if you're the journalist oh, responsible really? for them having to print an apology.
1: It's like such a fun thing to read though.
2: I love reading them because yeah. I'm like, it wasn't me, <laughs> but when it's me, I'm like, oh shit.
1: <laughs> Have you ever had to um, interview him since?
2: I haven't seen him since. No. Oh. Um, I mean,
1: he's in the States now, isn't he?
2: He is he's now. Doing he's really in well. hot water over this Harvey Weinstein. thing.
1: Yeah. There's been a lot about that actually over, I was listening to um, the high low show, which is a great podcast. Um, and they did a big thing about that in their, their most recent episode. And I, I mean, I, I hate talking about conversations that are on other podcasts, but it's hard not to when you're a podcast because you just spend your whole life listening to other podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I kind of feel sorry for him in a way because I feel like, why is he apologising? Why should he feel like he has to apologise for what I think is art?
2: Yeah, and I think sometimes with your apology you justify the criticism you've got in this case i did think it was a bit ill-judged of him because considering it's all just coming out yeah all these things about yeah. weinstein and these actresses who are accusing him of things are very present at the moment but i do think i d- i don't like this culture of as soon as people are offended online you automatically you have apologize. To apologize yeah it's I just like, actually do you... am i sorry i don't
1: know and actually for this you you sometimes don't have to be sorry. Yeah, it's like, fine. even sometimes... Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, as long as you're not physically hurting anybody, and I mean, I'll, I'll take that a little bit more because I do think emotional hurt is, is also very, very um, painful and should be held accountable to apologies at times. But I think in, like, the media, and I don't mean sort of journalist media, I mean more, like, film, TV, yeah. music. I feel like we almost dim down anybody's, like artistic license and creative oh, integrity yeah. by having to be so PC and I'm really scared for what our entertainment is going to be in 10-15 years time if this is, this is the culture that we're going to have to live in. I mean, if you have to apologise for every F word and I mean, you. Do, I agree, you should have to apologise for the C word, always. But, you know, there's... I haven't said that yet. Yeah. <laughs> Give him time. He's still on his halfway through his glass of like wine. If I didn't
2: say it about James Codden, I probably won't. <laughs> but... <laughs> it's not going to come up. Um,
1: but, yeah, I just feel like, if you, especially as a comedian, that's your craft to make people laugh. And think, people yeah. do laugh at sad shit. I mean, that's where humor comes from. It exactly. Comes from You're trying to bring some kind of joy in something that's really bleak and is sometimes awful and devastating. And it may not be yeah. to everyone's taste, but you know what? That's what I think about a lot of people that walk past me every day in the streets.
2: <laughs> and do you call abuse at them? No.
1: <laughs> I just let it go. But it's
2: true because it's not, it's not even just the entertainment. I think you close down the conversation. Because exactly. People are too afraid. They to think, I'm quite curious about trans for example yeah i want to know more about it but if i ask i know i'll use the wrong wording and i'll be shot down so people just don't talk about it and they're not learning and And...
1: i can't i mean i think you've completely hit the nail on the head Mm. especially when it comes to why we have conversations i think that conversations are completely they're not even diluted anymore they're completely censored absolutely yeah i always find often when i have guests on the show um You know, I always encourage people to speak as freely and openly as possible. And a lot of the times I'll do a recording with someone and it just won't go out because you haven't been open enough. And Mm -hmm. I think as long as you come from a good place and you're not being completely crass and, you know, offensive, which thankfully in my life, I don't think I know any people like that. Um...
2: People get on on Twitter and they just love, it's like mob mentality. It's like in the olden days when everyone... Pitchforks and flames, but this is on Twitter. They love to destroy someone over a comment. It's like you have to give people the chance to learn. Like fair enough, say, oh, I think that this wasn't the right thing to say. Express your opinion, and maybe they'll be like, oh, actually, I see your point. But by just throwing shame and venom at them, I don't think that solves the
1: problem. No, I don't even think it's throwing. It's almost like throwing just throwing hatred at the problem, which is almost just as bad as. Then you're a hypocrite. Exactly. Yeah um so back to the scoop tell mm. me um so other than uh our, my my good friend james Corden, who uh, I've, I've still gotta say i do i do love a bit of G G C gc yeah. uh, jc even <laughs> no G-C. that's Gemma G-C. collins G-C. have you ever interviewed Gemma collins i have and oh, she's hilarious so much love for she's her.
2: exactly the same i
1: think a bit of like marmite i think everyone i love is a little bit marmite
2: she is a character, and she's actually probably the only one in Towie I can bear. Cause I, <laughs> I was around when they all started getting famous, and it's funny to watch people, and they get a bit of fame, and they become so intoxicated. And I remember there was this instance where we'd been making at the Daily Star, we'd been making these people famous by writing about them. Yeah, we were the reason. So you they were to were blame for the
1: success of all of the well, beautifully tanned and perfectly make I'm not
2: taking the responsibility for all of it but yeah (laughs) collectively we did that and then we'd been interviewing him for months and then I went up to Joey Essex at a party and I said oh Joey you've got five minutes because he was quite newsworthy he was like you'll have to speak to my agent you're gonna have to pay for this interview I was like excuse me (laughs) so I had my own column at the time so the next day I wrote the story just that oh Joey Essex is too big for his boots now. He thinks that he's this big star. He thinks he can charge for interviews at parties. So I tore him to shreds. I saw him the next week at the, I think it was the NTAs or the TV BAFTAs. He came up to me like, why did you write that about me, man? I don't understand. I was like, and now you know. (laughs) And now these same tarry people, Joey included, uh, will be the people at a party who are desperate for people to talk to them. Like you're like only hot so for so funny, long, isn't it? Yeah. And, now, and now there's many journalists who they try and talk to, and be like, no, the editor's not interested in you.
1: And I think as well because they are so like, is it, is it what's the what's the expression, penny to a dozen? Is that what it is? I'm ten sorry.
2: a penny, yeah. Ten.
1: Forgive me, <laughs> my colloquialisms. Ten a <laughs> penny. They are so ten a penny, which is such an awful thing to say about human beings. But I mean, I mean more the. You know that kind of culture breed of celebrity. Mm. I guess what used to we used to call them, what said list celebrities or they reality TV stars. <laughs> they still are.
2: Because <laughs> yeah. then, some, like Love Island comes along, and oh, they're not interested I,
1: mean, I did. I did love. This is the thing. I, I mean, to be fair, of all of my reality TV fixes that I do get, Love Island was by far the best I've ever encountered. I've never seen it stop it never and you call yourself a celeb journalist I'm quite proud
2: of that actually no but I was living in New York this year for three months and that was when um, all happened and I've never in all my years missed a big cultural moment in this country but that one completely passed me by so I came back and people talk about chem I'm like <laughs> who is he? you're talking about like chem sex I don't know what's going on <laughs> and then there's this man man is a man yeah chem, Yeah. I still don't know who he is and people are obsessed I but mean it went straight over my head
1: I feel like you have missed out, I'm not gonna lie to you. But I but think I you only missed out this now. summer.
2: No. Yeah.
1: Like and, and I'd never watched Love Island before, and I don't think I ever will, to be honest.
2: Oh, I do you think I watched the first season like a long time ago? Do you remember when it was No, see I had Paul have... Danan first and Jane Midd this one. So this was a long time ago.
1: I remember Paul Danan. Yeah. I think he like... was on this
2: one as well. Oh maybe in Celebrity Big Brother. He wasn't
1: gonna celebrity big brother.
2: No, he was in Love Island as I well. oh. I mean he's done the rounds. Yeah. This is basically. Because I didn't really
1: ago. even know what it was, because I'm just I like reality TV, but I don't like those type of shows where it's a game show and it's just basically skinny tanned to people.
2: No, you want some variety. That's so why I you like... saw like Big Brother. I think yeah. I like loads the of original people. Big Brother. And oh, this, God, basically, so this good.
1: year's Love Island, I think, was like those first two series of Big Brother.
2: Okay, you It sold was me raw.
1: Then. <laughs> it was. And I feel like whoever produces the show, great job.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
1: did a great bloody job well done bravo <laughs> um but yeah so like my kind of reality tv is way more like i mean love a bit of kardashians i know that i get a lot of shame my friends all think it's ridiculous that i'm still obsessed with the kardashians 10 years later but i, I think it's think they've, come
2: full circle yeah. i think people it was uncool to like them and then i think it became so uncool it's cool again and let's face it they're not going anywhere
1: I mean, they've been around for 10 years and they've managed to turn nothing into a hell of a lot.
2: A hell of a lot of money and a hell of a lot of... Ass. A lot of silicone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a hell of a lot interviewed of bronzer. I three... Was it three years ago? Four years ago. So this was like, she was very famous, but she wasn't what she is now. Although yeah. she was with Kanye at the point.
1: I feel like she was famous then, but she wasn't a celebrity.
2: I think, yeah. I think after she... Did the um break the internet shoot that's where it went to a yes, different level and yeah. the wedding with Kanye. yeah the also. wedding i
1: mean kanye was what made it for her
2: absolutely but she was with him when i interviewed him but they i don't think they'd yeah. taken Announced it as it. far <laughs> yet um it was one of her fragrance launches and i interviewed her and she was so robotic but i get why because i mean she didn't really have to give an interview with me and she, she wasn't going to give me anything interesting because she didn't have to and she's very I think, like we were saying about Katie Price, I think she's very savvy. But whereas Katie's savvy in a way that she will she's let it all out. There, yeah, Kim is very. I will give my interest interesting quotes when I've got something
1: interesting I really to, need say. to promote. Do you think actually that's a really interesting point that you made? Do you think that's to do with like uh, UK celebrities versus American celebrities? Because I do generally find that I really enjoy celebrity in the UK, but I'm like I really don't care about anything in American culture in terms celebrity wise. Like, I might mm. enjoy a film, but it's not because of the lead star, unless it's Channing Tating, and that's a whole different reason uh. why I enjoy that.
2: <laughs> that's what I'm like with Colin Farrell.
1: Colin Farrell? I'm obsessed, dude. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you not think that he's just got too many teeth now?
2: No, I think he's got the perfect amount of teeth. <laughs> 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 and I feel like I feel
1: yeah. like he's the kind of guy that plays rugged, but he's probably not rugged at all. He's probably, like, really puny and, like...
2: I did see a picture he's not of him a throw Yoda down. pants. And oh. then I was like, Oh Yeah. It we'll did say. make me rethink a few things. But... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's sexy. And I interviewed him once on the red carpet and he, like made eye contact and they and very like, rarely I'm do. I it. It was. I was drooling. And he'd like make touch your arm and stuff oh, like that. And I'm Some people some celebrities are very good at making you feel like
1: you're the only person in the room. Yeah,
2: like yeah. people always say that about Simon Cowell and it's true. And then there's some people I mean especially who... if
1: you're a black woman, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Simon looks at me, I love me. I'm Sunita.
2: <laughs> the new Sunita <laughs> But then there are others who you meet and but you don't feel like you met them at all. Someone, yeah, someone I think someone like that's Matthew I... McConaughey It's just like a shadow God, just...
1: don't tell me that I adore him
2: well I think he's a great actor but I mean I think I met him at a very weird time in his life because he was I said to my colleagues well Piers on the red carpet like he's anorexic there's something wrong with him
1: he did lose a lot of weight
2: but then later Dallas Spies Club came out I was like oh that's why because we oh, were at a Magic Mike premiere was... I, was I like... mean
1: you were just killing me right now first is Matthew McConaughey magic mic i'm like i can't control how yeah, this do you is control yourself when you're around these people
2: these premieres are not fun and everyone always thinks they would be fun <laughs> but they're absolutely not because you're stood outside for three to four hours sometimes oh god um at red carpet and they don't let you just come at the end when and inevitably the big star of the film comes right at the end and sometimes they come right at the end and don't even talk to you so you've spent four hours stood and guaranteed if the premiere is in the winter the it, the red carpet will be outside and if it's in the sweltering summer, it will be inside. So it will be... Why
1: did they do this?
2: To torture you, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. And then the celebrity will come up and like, Angeline and Joe, will be like, oh my God, it's so cold. You're like, yeah, I know, I've been sleeping for four fucking hours. You've just walked out of a limo and you're walking in to watch your probably shit film. So you get you get very annoyed and you stood there and then occasionally you introduce someone else who's coming up, but the red carpet is kind of... And it sounds really ungrateful and shitty, but... It is a horrible place to work. Most that's so funny because
1: you, all, to, as a like consumer of this juice, um, <laughs> you always feel like the red carpet is where the glamour is, and I, I know we've got a friend in common, and she's—I feel like she's always doing red carpets, and I'm always like, oh, I'm back home to my spreadsheet, oh, well, my she'll bottle tell of cheap Pinot. It's
2: not fun. <laughs> it really is. There are loads of things that are fun, so I'm not grateful. Like I love when there's a um, like a press night for a West End show or something. That's, oh yeah, I love that, and I love. Just like a really cool award show where all the stars are out and you can kind of you're mingling with them over dinner. But a red carpet is not fun and most showbiz journalists would not say it was fun. And
1: do you find that um, you make any friends? Like not not just red carpet friends and colleagues, but do you ever make friends with any of the celebs or is it just friends on the red carpet as in journos?
2: So you become very uh, good friends with um, your fellow journalists because you soon realise, and I learnt this a little bit too late, but you will see each other at, Every single party. So some of the time, you spend more time with journalists from other papers, your rivals, than you do with your actual colleagues at your own paper. That's so funny. So you get to know them really well, and then because a lot of these parties have free drink. When I was first starting, I was just couldn't believe that there was free drink. I was like, oh my god! (laughs) Any moment I wasn't drinking, I thought I'm losing money. (laughs) Like I'm wasting. So I would be hammered. That wasn't
1: mine. And then
2: just get into some stupid argument with someone at a party, and just think, oh well, never mind. And then two days later, you're at another party and they're there and you're like, oh shit, I can't fall out with people. Yeah. because." And then you realise after doing it for so long that um, it's quite a small pool of showbiz journalists in the grand scheme of things. And the people that you were you knew two years ago become the people giving you work in two years. They get promoted to be an editor. Or like when I became an editor and then I was giving work to my friends and it's very it's, kind of...
1: Yeah, and I th- I mean, that's a really good point actually because... For all of the different types of journalists that I know, I feel like what makes it something that I quite enjoy, um, sort of having like my, a toothpick, um, stab at it is Mm -hmm. how much of a community it is. And I, my day job, my career has always been built around, um, a really broad industry. And I mean, the fashion industry is tiny and... Actually, it's really not in comparison to a lot of others because actually yeah. th- we're not friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say there's very few people in the industry that are friends yeah. in the way that I feel journalists are, and I always find it so refreshing. And I was at a really incredible, completely—I mean, different type of journalism. I was at um, an event with Cosmopolitan magazine, mm-hmm. and there it was a panel event, uh, quite intimate, maybe like fifty people there, and you could see between like the editor like the editor of the magazine and then some of the other journalists that were up on stage, there was a friendship there. Like there was a relationship oh, yeah. between these people that have built their careers together. Mm-hmm. I can think of some of like the old commercial directors that I started working with. They probably wouldn't even recognize me. I mean, I look like a <laughs> little chubby boy. Well, I actually look like Crisscross look today, which has terrified <laughs> a lot of people in the office. Disaster with overly straightened hair gone curly. Um, like but yeah, the, <laughs> thanks babe. Um, But yeah, there's not that camaraderie that you get when you're on the red carpet. And I always think of it as... I know it's not on the red carpet, it's not your whole job. But when I think of that pool of journalists that I sometimes see at different events. Mm -hmm. um, And it's just so refreshing.
2: I don't know, I think there's... It is quite nice, but there's pros and cons to it. Because I think, on the other hand, when you become friends with your fellow journalists, you're also still in an industry where you're naturally expected to be competitive. So if you're, you're both at a party, say I'm there for the sun and my friend who I've known for years is there for the mirror, we're both having a nice time catching up and then there's a celebrity and she goes in and gets the chat and I don't, like there is, and then there, it does cause tension and there are fallouts and sometimes you think, would it be easy if we just weren't friends? But it's actually very difficult not to, to go through and see the same people event after event and not be friends with them so i think you just kind of have to take it on a case-by-case basis and accept that the girl that you're having drinks with and laughing with last week this week you're telling to go fuck herself because (laughs) you're at a party and things have got out of control and then but people have very short memories i think because of the free free bar usually yeah free bar so a lot gets wiped clean i think
1: (laughs) so do you think as well that's kind of i mean i always think the greatest and I know, P- I mean, I know I talk about him on every bloody podcast, but Piers uh-huh. Morgan, like, mm-hmm. I, he is my total marmite, and I think what I like about him is how he probes, and I think every single interview he ever does, he has literally zero fucks to give. Yeah. And I think that's what makes him really good. Like, you might not agree with what he's saying, but I think virtually no one probably agrees with what he's saying but he gets a conversation <laughs> he's <right>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets a conversation going that to me a lot of journalists don't or a lot of people don't and yeah i think that's what what makes the world go round imagine how boring li- life would be if we just listened yeah. to some people's opinion i know he, I mean, he is opinionated but
0: it's, it's that true. push
1: and that ability for him to not be afraid of offending people or losing friends basically Um, and I was reading a really interesting article, um, about a book that I'm reading and I'm reading the originals at the moment by Adam Grant. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's talking about those kind of people that are really entrepreneurial, like in any walk of life. Yeah. Um, and one of their key traits is they're not afraid to lose friends. I, and I always say, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it doesn't mean that those people aren't friendly and don't have loads of friends. It just means being liked and being friendly to everyone is not at the top of their agenda. It's about getting the job done, and I think I always struggle with that because I, I'd say I'm like sociable is probably one of my top skills, like top three skills. Friendly, one of my top three skills. Um, But I always say I'm not nice. I mean, you're never going to do do (laughs) that, babe. (laughs) But I mean, I feel like I'm just. I hope I'm being genuine a lot of the time, and I think Mm. that it's really. It must be really hard for a journalist who is trying to build that relationship with effectively a stranger but then also build that af- relationship all the time with their effective like I guess it's competition but colleagues in a way
2: yeah there do, there is an element of and I'm sure you know about this in the fashion industry as well like a lot of people are very fake and like you have known them for two minutes and like oh my god I love you and it's like oh we're yeah. okay. getting along you. just <laughs> fine but yeah we don't know each <laughs> other so I am um, I'm definitely not like that I'm friendly to people when I meet yeah, them yeah no I and think I that's I like why you stand out but I don't, I, I don't like that. And then I think when I do like someone and get on with them, it means more. Whereas if I'm just going around telling tell everyone I love them, then it's like, how do you know what my real feelings are? Yeah. or Whether we actually have made a connection or whether I'm just... And there's a lot of that. There's the people I've known for years in showbiz journalism who you're at a party with them and they're just constantly looking over their shoulder for the next person and like Almost see who's better. And it's very like, yeah, there's an element of kind of nauseating falseness to it all cringiness yeah but then there's also if you're quite direct and like you say about Piers Morgan who very much doesn't seem to give a shit what people think that is also something a lot of people have respect for because you can't really be a journalist going around interviewing celebrities being like oh god they're not saying anything interesting they're just saying oh never say never and giving non-answers when you yourself are not being opinionated and being quite boring yourself I think yeah Ask the tough questions, ask curveball questions. You don't have to follow a script. I've seen so many times on red carpets where it's usually a young female journalist who be like, Oh, what are you wearing? It's like no one yeah. cares. I mean,
1: as you can tell, I'm not good with a script. I've asked none of the fucking questions I had listed today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's good to go off topic and like judge judge each interview as it develops. Like yeah. some people are so obsessed with their next question that they actually might be missing the story. Because when a celebrity go- goes off a tangent and they're trying to bring them back and that's not the best thing to do. I think it's, each interview is different. Sometimes it's good to build a rapport and feel really comfortable so they'll loosen up. Other times you just need to do he a Paxman is. and just say, are you doing Strictly? Are you doing Strictly? Are you doing Strictly? Until they eventually say, I'm doing why fine. are you being so weird? <laughs> <laughs> oh. you got something wrong with you. <laughs>
1: you were right love um someone didn't take their meds today <laughs> <laughs> um so I've got one more question that I mm-hmm. want to ask you um and I just want to say this has been a bloody delight can I just I say you, I want to keep going you are definitely coming back by the way
2: oh yeah we have to we have to we need round two we do so and what three I... and four <laughs>
1: and five and six um <laughs> what I find really interesting about your career um I think one thing I'm always really interested I'm one of these people that is a real like stereotypical millennial like all I care about is my job, my career, well not all but that's like Uh my number one goal in life I'm one of those independent women that like is like career, career, career and so I'm always really obsessed with how other successful people have built their careers but for me what makes that interesting is not this like so my dad's a millionaire (laughs) <laughs> and I'm really lucky to be a trust fund kid. And <laughs> My I got this internship. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. um, so I got this internship and now I'm like head of Vogue. It's like, no. I mm-hmm. mean, some of us are literally doing the like 39p shop in Lidl for the last two weeks of the month. Still yeah. at 32 years old. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> still me. Um, <laughs> and I think there's something really admirable to people that are successful in the way that I see success and I think success is really different to different people for different reasons and to me success is setting out to build something for yourself it doesn't necessarily have to be the career that you wanted or the path that you thought you were going to go down but still creating something that is amazing and that other people can learn from or admire or look up to even if you don't think it's that great because it wasn't what you intended. Um, Absolutely, and yeah. really, really importantly, especially I think in today's um, society, have some kind of personal version of work-life balance. Yeah, and that doesn't mean being able to go to the gym after work. It's like whatever mm. that means for you. That might mean working, you know, a fifty-hour week. To that might be work-life balance for you. Yeah, um, and I know in your it's industry, I mean, you're <laughs> literally working now all night, um, <laughs> which for me is uh, not what I'm used to. Um, so. I would say that you are definitely something that's really successful. And I just want to say, how, how do you think that you have achieved that? Because um, you started from, this is such a cliche, saying, you started from humble beginnings. Um, <laughs> and you've done something really incredible and you're still doing great things. And I think that um, move into freelancing um, is something that a lot of people our age are looking at and aspiring to, to make yeah. that leap. And it's terrifying. Like, well, it's really scary
2: it is but I think going off what you were saying before you said you're a typical millennium and I don't think you are and I think you're a really good example of like you wanted to do a podcast so you did it and I think an issue that I think a lot of some people in our generation have and younger especially is I want a podcast like why is no one offering me one why is (laughs) I've been I'm walking around being fabulous why is no one giving me one it's like in today's day and age, I think you do just have to, if you want something, you have to seize it yourself, and you've done this all by yourself. And there's always, um, and it's very gratifying and it's very inspiring. And I think that's the thing. And I'm quite old school because when I came down to London first, and still now, because I've written a novel and I want to get it published, I'm not.
1: Let's, let's make this happen, people.
2: I'm not expecting anyone to be offering me any book deals, but I've been to parties specifically to target one person, and I walk up to them and meet them and give them your business card. And I think if you're doing anything that's media-related, you cannot underestimate the power of face-to-face. Like, you can send as many emails perfectly worded, yeah. covering letters <laughs> as you want, but if you need to get face time with someone. And if you really... And you can make it happen, like... And I just always think, do things that are really embarrassing and mortifying. Like, I'm if, the story of my if you want to stand outside someone's <laughs> office and wait for them and ha- hand them a handwritten CV, then do it. Like, t- show that you are willing to be completely mortifying but dedicated and yeah when i came down to london originally i just kind of wasn't sat around waiting for job applications to come up i just thought right how watch what people were doing and how can i be like them how can i make it happen for me and i think if you have that attitude eventually it will happen
1: Do you know that's actually really sound advice and it's annoyingly the kind of thing that my mom would say to me thanks Ed. Um, but <laughs> well, it <it's... laughs> works you are doing it <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think the, I think the, the good learning from that is actually we always say that like oh things are different things are so much harder now you yeah. don't just get given stuff nowadays you didn't get given stuff you know 10 20 30 years ago people yeah. were just like it more social and that doesn't mean online Instagram. Bloody love Instagram, but it's mm-hmm. maybe not always gonna give you the job that you want or the satisfaction that you need. It's more about like getting out and meeting people. I mean, and I still totally cringe when I have to go and introduce myself to somebody for the first time, even if I know that they might know who I am. I'm always really freaked out. So that was bloody brilliant advice. Well, you, I'm you don't keep give doing off that
2: vibe. You give off a very confident vibe, and that isn't an, another. Good tip, I think, is just fake it till you make I mean, it, isn't it? Absolutely, just project and what if you can't you...
1: fake it on your own. It's called one glass of Merlot, and then you fake it till you make it.
2: <laughs> fake it on your own sounds like a bit weird. <laughs>
1: well, that's a whole other podcast, that is. It?
2: That one's X- coming rated. soon, oh, like
1: that. <laughs> right? Ed, on that, that note, thanks so... <laughs> thanks so much for joining me oh, today. Thank you so much and for having
2: me, it's been amazing
1: will, for sure be back
2: i definitely will Thanks. i already
1: and if you've enjoyed what you listened to today or any other of my podcasts you can find me on acast.com um, i'm available on itunes and on android or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts and if you'd like to join the conversation you can tweet me at teb moema that's teb as in t for tango e for echo b for bravo yes i do have to spell my name out like that moema which is m-o-e-m-a or you can find me on instagram at teb1 thanks so much guys bye bye